Well, today, maybe you all know it, that there's memorials and special ceremonies going on all over the nation. Today is September 11th. Uh, we, September 11th has taken on a whole new meaning in a couple of decades. Um, and since, um, since the, we, we just call it 911 event. Um, so since the days of those events, uh, as we come to this day, it has, it, it, it's a day that merits attention and merits prayer and thanksgiving because uh, God did protect our country. Uh, yes, lives were lost and sacrificed and we pray for them, them and their families continually, but our nation survived and to God be the glory, amen. Uh, that thought in mind uh, this morning, I thought I would just share a few moments out of Psalms 91, 1, 9, 1, 1. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalms 91, now I actually will go a little further than 91, 1. I'll go a little further into that Psalm, but the, the crux of it will be, uh, we'll get the gist of it out of Psalms 91, 1, which is our 9-11. When we think of 9-1-1, we also think of an emergency call. When we have an um, incident, um, we, we were in our cabin this week, Saturday night, Friday night, and I had hung some pictures, and we were in bed upstairs, and we heard a crashing downstairs that um, uh, what had happened was one of the pictures fell. Um, and, but it knocked, hit another table and knocked some things around, and it sounded like somebody was busting into the bottom part of the house. And, uh, of course, I run downstairs. My dog even looked at me like, are you going to go take care of this? Um, <laughs> good old Buster. He didn't want to be disturbed. The next time I told Ron, I said, I'm sending him down first next time. But um, I ran downstairs and, and quickly realized it was just my lack of proper hanging of a picture that caused the problem. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I hope my wife, if she hears a struggle down here, will call 911. Would you have done that? I hope you would have done that. <laughs> they could have found us. <laughs> if you'd have heard that shotgun blast, I didn't tell you, I did have a shotgun in my hand when I ran downstairs. <laughs> but but uh, you could have called 911. But anyway, how many knows that as Christians, we have an emergency call? And that's Jesus Christ. And uh, when, when things happen, now hear me. I understand, and we're going to talk about, just briefly this morning, living always in the presence of God, dwelling in the presence of the Lord, and what that means and how we accomplish that. Uh, but I also understand that even while we're dwelling in the presence of the Lord, there are times that we yell out, Jesus, help me. How many has ever been, Jesus, help me? 
Uh, God, I know that you're here. I know that you're watching. But Lord, I just, in case you missed it, there's some trauma going on right now. And Jesus, I need your help. And that's what uh, Psalms 91.1 is kind of about, turning to the Lord, uh, our refuge. Let's stand together for the reading of the word this morning. And, and we will go quick, honestly. Psalms 91, and we'll read the first nine verses, actually. Verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Before we go a little further, look at somebody and say, I have a secret place. I have a secret place. The rest of the world doesn't always know about it, but I've got a place that I go, amen? I've got a secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrows that fly by day nor of the pestilence that walk in the darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near to you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Father, I thank you for the word this morning. Bring it alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A couple of weeks ago, I preached a message, stand, uh, actually a week before last, standing on the promises of God. This is a tremendous promise. Uh, the Bible is, is filled with promises for us to stand on. This is a promise to the child of God. But it's a promise to a, uh, you know, we're, we are bad about finding promises in the Bible without attaching them to conditions that accompany the promise. This promise that I will be your refuge, my truth will be your shield and your buckler, I will be your defender, all of those things are to who? He who what? Dwells in the secret place. He who dwells under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, that's not, first of all, I, I said a while ago, we have a secret place. We have a place that we get away to. I was, was here this morning early, and uh, there was some people here doing, getting set up for the service, and some kids were playing hide-and-seek, and all that's good and cute and fun. And I, I, I came across one of them. They said, this is the best hiding place ever. I'm not going to give their hiding place away. How many know that as a child of God, <laughs> this is the best hiding place ever? <laughs> we can stand here and we can watch the world go, go by, but we are completely safe and secure in the arms of God. Have you ever saw uh, tragedy or problems going on and it seemed as if you were watching it outside of a window while you were in a secure 
place and, and your response wasn't like everybody else. Do you ever just see uh, crises going and just get confused? Why do people get so upset? Why do everybody, why does little things take everybody to the next level? Uh, you know, it's amazing to me. Uh, my, my wife's industry in particular, they send letters to people to put away your trash can. You would think that they had just told you that they were going to come take your youngest child away from you. At the vileness, they'll call in an anger over silly stuff. Why is it that people get so upset over mundane things because they have no peace? But the Bible says that we have a secret place. We have the same problems. We have the same issues. We get the same letters. We get this, but but there's a there's something that that tempers it all with the grace of God. So we live in a secret. Those that dwell now, what does it mean? To, there's a lot of people that visit God. They visit Him on Sunday. Maybe not every Sunday, but they occasionally come and visit God. Or maybe they do come every Sunday and they visit the Lord and they 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 visit. The dwelling place. <laughs> they visit the house of God. They visit the Lord, but they don't dwell there. Can I tell you there's a difference in a visitation and a habitation? We have been praying for years, God, give us a visitation, but I want to challenge us. Pray for a habitation. I want the Holy Spirit to pour out over the house of the Lord, over the people of God, and I don't want him to withdraw. I don't want to visit, amen? Uh, it's good to visit some people, but there are some people you want to just dwell with. You just want to live with them. And the presence of God is a place that we don't want to visit, but it's a place that we want to dwell in. How do we dwell? Pastor, are we, are we supposed to just be in church seven days a week? Well, it wouldn't be a bad idea if we had church seven days a week, but that's not what it means. See, if you identify being in the presence of God as being in church, then you're missing the mark. Being in church is, is a time that we are also in the presence of God. But how Benny knows that in the middle of the night when a picture crashes in the, downstairs and you hear a big boom, you're still in the presence of God. Uh, when, 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 when crises come and your family, when your child is sick, you're still in the presence of God. You deal with what you've got to deal with and God gives us the strength and the ability and we lay hands on them and we pray for them and sometimes we take them to the doctor and sometimes we do the things that we have to do but there's a difference. Why? Because all the time we are in our secret place. We're in our compartment. We're, we're living in the presence of Almighty God. There is a very secure, a very promising feeling when you live in the presence of God. How do you do that? You make, you make room. We were singing a lot this morning about making room for Him. Lord, I make room for you. Can I tell you that uh, here is the, the way a person accepts Christ in this culture oftentimes. You come up, you say, Pastor, I want to accept Christ as my Savior. Praise God. You know, write your name in a book somewhere. And now you've added the Lord along with all the other activities in your life. And now you just have added one more thing in your portfolio. That's not what God teaches us. 
God says, empty everything else out of your life. Now stay with me. Empty everything else out of your life. Put God in place. And then add the things around God that fit. Because some things may not fit after you add God. Uh, You've heard me talk about it before in here. Uh, one One of the things that, one of the traumas of our marriage. How many have traumas in your marriage? People sometimes will buy something pretty for my wife. I try not to because um, I know the cost. They get her a lamp. And you're thinking, oh, it's such a beautiful lamp. And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord. You don't know. When I get home, I'm going to have to rearrange the room around that lamp. There's a chair that's going to have to go. There's something else that's got to be brought in. See, to you, it's just a pretty lamp. (laughs) But to her, it's the new centerpiece. And so that whatever has to go has to go so that that thing, that item, that lamp, that vase, that candy dish, whatever it is, now becomes a focal of that room. Can I tell you, that's the way it has to be with God. God isn't just an addition to all the other activities in your life. He has to be the focus of your life. It's all right. You can have room for entertainment. You can have room for sports. You can have room for career. You can have room for family. But the focal point, the dwelling place, the the, the mark has to be Jesus Christ. When people meet you, they need to understand, look, I do all of these other things. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I have a career. uh, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. uh, Whatever it is, they need to understand among all of those things, central in your life is your love for Jesus Christ. And if they don't get that, you, after uh, maybe not instantly, although oftentimes I can pick up on it pretty doggone quick. But if they don't get, if you know somebody for a while and they haven't identified that as a central part of your life, then there's a good chance that he is not the dwelling place, the secret place of your life. Now, the Bible says something interesting, and it just struck out to me when I was reading it, shall abide in the what? In the shadow, you did good. In the shadow, and I got to thinking about shadows. David said, um, uh, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And and, and I, I just began to think about shadows. Shadows aren't a substance. You can't touch a shadow. But they're evidence of a substance. I, when, I, when, I, when I am hot, like I am now, when, when I am hot and I walk under a shade tree and I feel the coolness of the shade tree, I don't have to look up to see all the leaves. They're evident that they're there. To see the limbs, they're evident they're there. I don't have to see the tree. I'm just sitting in the shadow of the tree. I'm enjoying the freshness. Why? The, the, a shadow implies that there is something that has interjected itself between you and something harmful rays. 
So there, there's something between you. Now, the, 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 the enemy's still there. The sun's still there. and The sun's not our enemy, but in this story, you get my point. The sun's still there, but now it's tolerable. Are you with me? Can I tell you, in the life of a child of God, the problems are still there, but there's something that stands between me and the problem of my life, and I'm standing in the shadow of the Almighty. The problem is behind God. God is standing here, and I'm down here just enjoying the shadow, knowing that on the other side of God, there is a problem, there's something going on, but I am not subject to the direct impact because God's taking the brunt. So I, I, may, get, I, I may get knocked down, <laughs> as Paul said, but I'm not destroyed. I might get a little bit turned sideways for a minute now and then. But there's something. Why? Because I dwell in the secret place. When I get up in the morning, I, I turn to the Word of God looking for something that will bring me comfort, something that will bring me in- encouragement. Now, in the last few weeks, I've been reading through Ezekiel. And I thought, Lord, can I get to something a little more fun soon? And if you've not read through Ezekiel lately, maybe you can't remember what I'm talking about. It's, it's powerful, but it's sometimes a tough read. But, but then there are times, Lord, I get into the Word of God, and God's Word is soothing, and God's Word is encouraging. And God's word, why? Because we dwell in the presence of God and we live in the presence of Almighty God, the shadow of the Almighty. We have to dwell there. We can't just visit there. And then, then the word says that he will, uh, his truth, first of all, I'm going to take one minute and encourage you. You need to be a person of the word. If you're not a person of the word, You're missing out. Your soul is suffering. Your Christian walk is in jeopardy. Your your ability to make right choices is compromised. Pastor, all of that just because I'm not in the Word? Absolutely, and ten times that, a hundred times that. I, I can tell you from experience... There is a difference in the times when I am bathing myself in the word of God and I'm not. We're we're talking about the Beatitudes on Wednesday night and your attitude be wrong. (laughs) If you're not in the word of God, you need to get your Beatitude right, amen? So the the Bible says that one thing is if, if the enemy comes against me and I don't know that I have a shield and a buckler, <laughs> I don't know that I've got a secret place that I can run to, I don't know that God is my refuge, <laughs> that I might, be, uh, I, I might be inclined to just try to fight everything by myself. But when I understand that I have a secret place, can, can I tell you, my uh, wife and I, uh, she was trying to imply when I was driving the mountains the other day that I don't drive that good, and I do. I drive very good. Um, she don't ride good. I, in fact, I asked her, I said, do you have to have a separate license to be a backseat driver? 
or does it come with your regular license? She said, yes, it's called a marriage license. I said, uh, so I said, okay, touche, uh, enough said, amen. But um, <laughs> uh, I was going somewhere about not driving good. Oh, she, she, she had made the comment uh, of somebody that we know that had, made, that had said one time, very wrongly stated one time, that riding with me across town was the best evangelism tool that she'd ever seen. She said, I have prayed more. And, and, and all of those things, you know, they're joking. I get it. They're, they're just trying to make a joke because it's certainly not true. But, but what I, I do want you to understand, there are times in your life where crises drive you to prayer. And there are times, listen, I love praying. I love this morning. I, I could, my spirit could feed off of praying for people like this today, like we had the opportunity to do today. I'll feed on that all week long. I'll just rejoice over and pray for those people again and again and again and be reminded about them and the promises of the Lord. I love that. But can I tell you that sometimes crises will happen and you're not at Sunday morning church. And, and the pastor isn't there to pray with you. And the worship leader isn't there to encourage you with a word or sing you a song. Your Sunday school teacher is not there to teach you the truth. You're sliding off the road at 80 miles an hour. But you can say, dear Jesus, help me. You're getting a call in the middle of the night that you don't want to get. Dear Jesus, Help me. Can I tell you, when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, there is a comfort. Philippians 4, 7, and 8. Talks about be anxious for nothing. 4, 6. 4, 7 says, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So I was talking about a while ago about the secret place. We have a peace that the world knows not of. The world didn't give it to us. How many ever looked at you and said, I, I don't know how you stay so calm? And how many have ever wondered, literally, I, and, and we've talked about this recently, my wife and I. Sometimes you see people that just spin so far out of control and, and you're wondering in your heart and your mind, why do people get to that level of upsetness? I mean, even in crises, because there's a peace. It's like we're watching the world go through, go, go by while we're sitting in our secret place. We deal with the crises, but there's a, there's, a, there's a comfort and a confidence that goes in with it. So, Psalms 91, 1. Now, now here's where I want you to understand this morning. You have a commission. You have a secret place in the presence of God. Hallelujah. But you also have a commission to bring as many people into that secret place. Away from the calamities, away from the problems. God 
would that no one would perish, but that everyone would be saved. So it's a secret place, but can I, can I tell you, you're not supposed to be a secret agent. You're supposed to be an outspoken, uniformed, carrier, badge-wearing, gospel-spouting, Bible-thumping child of God. Amen? You, you, don't, you don't have to be secret about your relationship with the Lord. Why? Because, yeah, we've got a secret place, but you have a secret place. I have a secret place. All those that dwell in the presence of God have a secret place that we can sit in and we can watch the world go by. And when crises happen, how many remember? You know, it's funny to me that uh, uh, young people have grown up, you know, born after, of course, um, 9-11, or were just babies in 9-11. But many of you probably remember what was going on in your life at the time when when, when the attack happened. I, I remember calling some of our military people in the church and, and just trying to see if I could get any insights, what's going on. Some of them were preparing to being called in to, 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 to work, to, to service, and, and um, different things going on and, and, and praying for them. And, and I remember the crisis. I remember uh, the next day, or I think it might have been that same night, my, my Gregory was in uh, Pop Warner football and taking him to football practice because, you know, what do you do? You just And uh, the coach said, you're a pastor, right? And I said, yes. He said, can we just take this football practice and just pray with these kids? And I thought, what a wonderful idea. They're going to lose anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> they never won, but, but um, so I said, we can at least do something productive. And uh, but we gathered those little seven, eight-year-old kids around, and and you know I I, I asked them, do any of y'all have any questions about the things that you're hearing the adults talk about today? Did you want us to pray with you about? And just tried to talk to them uh, a, a little bit, and then then we then we prayed. But all of those things were going on in the world, and the world was in crises. Our world was in crises. Our country, our nation was in crises. The president's on Air Force One being escorted for the first time since, I think, World War II with, with um, fighter pilots. Um, I mean, the world was in crises. Um, and, but, you know, and, and, and we were in crisis. We were praying. But at the same time, there was a peace. There was a peace. We knew in the end we would be all right. We just came through a pandemic. The world was in crises. I guess some think we're not through the pandemic. Well, I don't want to argue debate where we are in the midst of the pandemic, but I do want to tell you, we have a secret place. Yes. <laughs> and we can deal with it differently. Do I know Christian people that have had, they've gotten sick with the virus? Absolutely. I know Christian people that have died with the virus. But there's a difference. Can I tell you, if you're here this morning and you don't know the peace of God that passes all understanding and your life is in turmoil or crises, there's things going on around you that's causing turmoil and crises. 
turn to the Lord. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Almighty shall abide under the shadow. I'm getting it all messed up. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's, let's abide in the presence of God this morning. Would you, would you just bow your heads with me, church? I had, and I'm not going to what they were, but I had, I'm still trying to interpret them. I had two separate dreams that I felt like the Lord was trying to show me something back to back. One night I woke up from one, went back to sleep and had another one. And that's not something I, I'm not one that goes around saying that kind of stuff all the time. But it just felt like the Lord was trying to show me something. I, I couldn't figure out exactly what. I, I even talked to Gregory. And um, I said, son, what do you think of these two dreams? I told him a little bit about them. And I still don't know what they are in, in total. In fact, he said, he said, well, Dad, my middle name is Daniel. Maybe you ought to start with like Daniel Goulet or Daniel Southworth. <laughs> but... Um, but 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 the reality is, I, I do feel like the Lord was showing me one thing: is we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. I don't know what God's doing, and me in particular. Both of them were big events that I were, was a part of, and that I was called unprepared for something going on. And, and I woke up and I'm, I'm praying, well, what, what, what? And I think the Lord is just trying to show us we've got to be prepared. We've got to be prepared. So I want to encourage you this morning, be prepared. I don't know what God is doing in your life. I don't know what God is doing all around, but I know that God is doing something. Be prepared. Jesus is coming back. You don't hear that much anymore. We don't pre when I was when I was a boy. That's all they ever preached. We don't hear about that much anymore. But Jesus is coming back to take His bride away. You need to be prepared. Calamity is befalling. You need to be prepared. Heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. If the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart right now and you want to just raise your hand to identify, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared for whatever's next. I want to make sure that I am abiding in the secret place. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand this morning if that's you? And I'll just pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over the place. Thank you. Father, God, you're preparing your church. You're preparing your bride for such a time as this. God, it's not a matter of whether there will be a, a remnant or whether there will be a church or whether there will be a bride. 
The question is, are we going to be a part of it? Your word is clear. There will be a church. There will be a spotless bride, a glorious bride. Lord, I want to be a part of it. I want whatever you're doing, Lord, don't leave me out. You know, I, 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 I'm going to say this. I spoke it over somebody. I felt the Lord was having me speak it over somebody this morning, but I feel like it's a, a word for the church. And, and the Lord's done this a few times. But I think the enemy in this time is trying to bring in confusion and condemnation. And somehow there may be somebody here this morning that feels like that God is mad at them. That somehow he's pouring out his wrath on them or he's just not responding because he's disappointed in them. And I feel like the Holy Spirit has checked my spirit today just to say this. Jesus says, I'm not angry with you. I love you with a love that is beyond your ability to comprehend. I'm not disappointed in you. You have been wonderfully created in my image. And I love you more than you could comprehend in your, in your understanding of what love is. So I want you to put all of those things out of your mind right now. Shout out my son. And I want you to just, just bask in the love of the Lord this morning for just a moment. If that's you, maybe you're here this morning and you've just been running from the Lord and, 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 and you just feel a tugging at your heart because the Lord's got a hook in you. And he's pulling you in. Why? Not because he's angry with you, but because he loves you but because He loves you. Only God could see you at those lowest points and still love you. Glory to God. Well, God's good, isn't He? Um, I just pray that Father God just bless us and go with us, keep us. God, bring us back to the next appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.